Welcome back to We Are Utah Podcast, where we bring you weekly episodes of the best in the Beehive State. Simply put, this is where we live. And this is where you stay connected. Stay connected. Because together, we We are are Utah. Utah. And now your hosts, Jordan Wheeler and Braden Floyd. What's up, Braden? Yo, what's up, dude? We're back. It's been a while because we pre-recorded a few. I know we did three in a row, and then now, and then we had nothing to do for three weeks, right? It always feels like it's like a month off, but I know. it's only a few weeks. I like being ahead though, because it gives us time to <laughs> schedule and plan. I know you hate doing the <laughs> triples, but I just like it being like current and relevant. Because like this one will come out tomorrow. Yeah. Dude, so you know I, how I am, though. I get, like, my mindset on one thing, and I just yeah. need to complete that one thing. So, like, when I'm like, okay, I need, I decided we need to be three weeks ahead. I'm like, <laughs> we got to get three weeks ahead, man. Like, that, today, dude, today I had to get up and take my wife to get a procedure done because we're still trying to do the have the baby thing. Yeah. And so she had to have some stuff done. And then we scheduled this. And then I have to go get a U-Haul after this down in Salt Lake to drive a bunch of lumber down to Arizona because I leave tomorrow to Arizona to drop off a bunch of lumber to them. And so... Just never wasting a minute, bro. Well, that's what I was going to say is, like, you like pre-recording because you're too busy. I know, so I'm always on the run. So that's why, we, that's why we wake up at, what, 6.30 now to play Oculus together so we <laughs> yeah. can fit it in? So <laughs> you're going to get U-Haul for lumber for what store? Or for you're going the to Arizona. Gilbert, Arizona store, yeah. So we supplied the lumber down to them, and they're blowing the freaking doors off the place Wait, right why now. Do you, why do you drive lumber from Utah? You ever seen a freaking tree in Arizona, bro? When's the last time you saw a tree in Arizona? I don't know. You just think they have. <laughs> no, that's just kind of like, okay, like when you think about, like, uh, franchising and stuff. So that's kind of, like, one of our little perks is we get a little bit of extra cash on the on the lumber for us. And yeah. so it's a service. Um, oh. And, then like, they buy our apparel. So we get a little bit tiny extra money there. And that's kind of the little ways that we make money because the reality is they own the store. We get a small percentage, but they own everything else. So they get a, punch, a bunch of money. So that's our huh. ways through a franchise to do that. And so, and... Um, just because up here in Utah, we're able to get such good options on different styles of lumber, so we can get pine for it very easily, cottonwood really easy, and that's the stuff they want down there. And if they have to go through like Home Depot and yeah. stuff, it's considerably more money than me driving a U-Haul down to them. So weird. Yeah, I mean, if they go, to, well, if they go to Home Depot, it's not because you get pine off Home Depot shelf. But pine off Home Depot shelf is the hardest, most miserable lumber to throw an axe at. What, and what's your wood? So ours is cottonwood, right? And so cottonwood so is the softest stuff, and cottonwood is essentially a tree. Or sorry, a, a tree, a weed, <laughs> a weed of the trees. Like it grows super fast. It's gotcha. it, it doesn't have any use building wise. Like you can't build with it. Yeah. But people clear it out of their backyards all the time, and so, so we get just it super cheap. Yeah. So we get it cheaper, and then we you know we supply it to them, and we take them a fully cut and painted target. And that's the thing about people when they when they don't when they think about franchising. And they don't want. They don't want franchise. Targets in that basement, dude. right? It's they don't want miserable. franchise. Like I always tell people, I'm like the stuff that you're not thinking about. You're looking at the cash. You're looking at the places full. You're looking at the places busy. Busy, but you're not looking at how are you getting lumber. How are you going to get your apparel? How are you going to get? How are you going to get a website booking system? Yeah. Like these little things that I'm like, dude. If you partner with me, I take a small percentage, and you're turnkey ready. And like these guys, they just did six figures in 45 days. Oh my Like just gosh. blew the doors off the place, That's dude. Awesome. Now that could be a grand opening thing. I'll tell. Yeah. We'll, we'll definitely recap it on a few months. And I'll tell you what they're doing, but like right now, six figures in forty-five days. Sweet, that's insane, dude. Yeah, and that's with our—that's with the help of our name, and then these guys having just ambition out the out the ass that they want to just go to work. Yeah. It's great, dude. Cool. So, yeah. <laughs> Anyways, that's awesome. All right, so what about you? you got anything to catch up on? I know you oh. were slammed all last week. You what? Yeah, did two, I, three closes, or you're, you got I two got going? I got two under contract. I'm closing on one today. That's why I'm dressed up. Ah, I don't yeah. like dressing. I was going to ask but, you. Nice. So 
closing on one today, 200 contract. I put a couple offers on houses in Louisiana for an Airbnb. Nice. Oh, what happened to the one uh, here? Any word did, yet? Well, not yet. I'm trying to buy a duplex Next here. episode? Duplex <laughs> or triplex. I'm waiting on those two, so yeah. I've got offers out, but nice. we'll see what happens. So, real In Louisiana, is, huh? Down south. Yeah, it's, it's Gulfport, which is like an area where they have casinos, but it's also right by the beach, and there's like an aquarium and like a whole downtown. Nice. So, it's one of the best places to buy an Airbnb, like top yeah. cities in the nation. So, I've been looking down there. Yeah, I wish I was ready to go with you. I do, next too. Year. <laughs> next year, dude. Not next year, but a few months. Few we'll months, get one. But. So... All right, well, good, dude. Okay. we got Nate Allen here. Uh, me and Nate actually used to work together at Living Scriptures. We'd uh, be on the phone and basically sell animated scriptures to families. Nice. And we were both top salespeople there. And Nate oh, was yeah. always intriguing to me because he's very, like, soft-spoken, kind of like a go-with-the-flow type thing. And so... He would he would be that way on the phones and just crush it and you're just like dude this is insane <laughs> not like a pushy salesman just yeah it's it? just like nice like well I re- I read that book about negotiations with the FBI guy yeah he said you need a calm DJ voice like you're in control and so that's <laughs> this is the perfect calm DJ voice nice but like Nate it. is um, you're doing a nonprofit. I'm, I'm probably going to butcher this. Remind us the name again. Yeah, it's called Utah Approves. Utah Approves, and you are trying to? Yeah, so we're trying to reform the election system here in Utah just to be more representative of everybody's interests and views and opinions rather than being only representative of one major voting group in the state. Right. Yeah, okay, nice. which is probably extremely popular right now because it's either, you know, one way or the other is my experience. Yeah. Yeah. So, so what gave you this idea to start this? Was it, was it just this last election or? Yeah, I would say that the 2020 election probably influenced me the most. Um, there was a period of time in my life where I just kind of thought politics was stupid, kind of wanted to tune out of it. I thought nobody would represent me. Um, and there was a candidate called Andrew Yang. He ran in the 2020 Democratic primary and I really liked him, thought he was really cool. Um, I ended up volunteering for his campaign, going and knocking doors out in Iowa, which is the first state on the Andrew Democratic. Yang? Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yang Gang. Okay. Yang Gang, that's right. You know right. who he is? Yeah. Okay. A, yeah. Yeah, oh, so, okay. so his flagship policy was that he wants to give every citizen in the U.S. $1,000 a month. Um, yeah. So that's initially what got me excited. But he also had some other policies on his platform that had to do with democracy reform and election reform. Uh, one of those was called ranked choice voting. The other one was called democracy dollars. Mm-hmm. And so I really liked those ideas and uh, was really supportive of them. And then after he lost the election and dropped out of the race, I started to reflect on how he was never really given a fair shot just because of how the system set up, how the media set up and stuff like that. Um, and so I turned my attention to how can we reform the system to actually be representative in the future and what can we do on the local level to start to make that movement now? And that's how I started my organization. Um, I took one of those policies into my organization. One of them I changed. Um, but, yeah, we can talk more about that if you guys want. So essentially what you're saying is is that your candidate fell out and there was no way for you to vote for that candidate even though they had fallen out. And they probably wouldn't have had to if any if anyone and everyone was able to vote for who they want to vote for. Yeah. Is that what you're getting at? That's very like well Because, like, they, put, they yeah. force you to pick a party and yeah. then they force you to pick a candidate for that party exactly. instead of saying, hey, there's 30 candidates – 
pick your poison. Who do you want? You know yeah, what I mean? Exactly. And so, part I, of that problem is because we can only choose one. Right. And so the policy that we're most repping right now across the state is called approval voting, and that allows you to choose as many candidates as you like. And so it really opens up the door for you to choose your favorite, and that way you don't have to worry about the lesser of two evils dynamic or anything like that. Um, so that would dramatically change the way primary elections play out and the general election. So how do you see it? Okay, so I'm sure this is probably you're starting this on a local level, but let's stay yeah. on let's stay on a national for a minute. So sure. how would you see that play out if you got your way and everyone was able to vote for who they want yeah. exactly and not have to pick which the party picks? Do you see that turning into 15 candidates on the left and 15 candidates on the right and we leave it that way? Or do you still see a limitation of... Okay, like, can we narrow it down to five, or can we narrow it down to three, yeah. or what? Like, what's your vision? What's yeah. your perfect vision for That's something like that? That's a great question. Um, so, there's a few ways that we could do it, but I think ideally we don't want to exhaust voters on a ballot. So, having probably less than ten candidates would be ideal. I think the best way to accomplish this is by passing some of the policies we're advocating for, and it produces a multi-party system where we don't just have Republicans and Democrats, but we have maybe the Green Party gets a significant amount of the vote or the Libertarians get a significant amount of the vote. So that's what we're trying to produce is at at the highest level, hopefully in maybe 10, 15 years, we're voting for president and we have five strong candidates that are up for election that we can all choose between rather than just the two major candidates. Okay. So... I guess my question is, like, what are, how do you get to that point to, to get those candidates? Like, what processes are you going through right now in order to make this happen? Just so, like, general public can understand it. Right? Yeah. Yeah. This is something that I think the general public should understand. It's an extremely complicated process right now, but this is where our power as people still lies. And the reason for this is because currently across the system, the power that we are supposed to have is supposed to be in the voting system. When we cast our vote, that's where our power is supposed to be. But right. right now, by the time we get to the ballot box, all of those candidates have been produced by the largest donors and the people who are strong in the parties. So that kind of creates a problem where we actually don't have representative candidates. Huh. It's, it's just crazy to me because, like, I was probably like you or I wasn't really into politics. And then I guess you get older and have kids and... Dude, I feel I like know. I was at it from the gate, man, to be <laughs> yeah, honest with you. I don't talk about it loudly. I hate talking about it public, publicly because people just get upset with everybody's different views. But right. I just feel like there should be a safer way to do so. And well, there should a- be a safer way to weigh your pros and cons because I feel like I've, I've voted in three elections. And all three of them, in my personal opinion, and I feel weird saying this out loud, I was picking lesser of two people. Yeah, yeah. I wasn't picking a candidate that I like fell in love with, whether it was the right or the left. It was just like... Well, I think this is better than that person. And well, I so, think there's a big shift happening right now because of the last election and all these things. And then, you know, you don't know what to trust with the media, what the media is saying. Yeah. And then it's almost like the media is going against each other, like Fox and CNN are, yeah. you know, totally banging heads. So over one candidate for one party, and there's only two parties. Yeah, like, but it's I, just nuts. I think it's interesting what Nate is on because our, I think our younger generation that's so used to like social media and getting their information just from online yeah. can kind of see through it or are looking for alternative ways to find information, yeah. not just CNN and Fox, right? Yeah. Where my grandma sits and watches Fox all night, yeah. right? And it's just like, there's other ways to get information now. Yeah. And I think that, that Nate's onto something where it's like, we can start this and it's like a podcast right it can blow up and you can get get a word out yep and so i think he's onto something with basically 
I don't, I don't know the correct word, like reforming yeah. the, the whole system. So yeah. sticking on a national level, Nate, before, before you jump in on that, do you plan this same – because, like, I think we can all agree that the president doesn't make the change. It's all, it's, there's three branches, right? right? So do you see this going with other, vo- with other voting? Like, do you see this as, a, as a, a system that if you were to be successful and it became something, that they would use this system for senators, for congresspeople, also for presidents? Yeah, absolutely. Gotcha. Yeah, so we would want to do this for all of the elections across the country. Um, so to kind of tie this back to your last question about how we accomplish this – There is a silver bullet policy called proportional representation. This is a policy that's used in a lot of successful democracies across the world. And essentially what this does is, let's say we have 100 representatives and 40% of the population like Republicans, 20% like Democrats, 20% like the Green Party, and 20% like Libertarians. Um, What proportional representation would do is elect an equal amount of representatives to that 100 representative body that act like accurately shows how much support they have in the population. So 40 of those representatives would be Republican, 20 Democrat, and so on, as I said. And currently, our system does not produce that at all. Currently, we, and and part of the reason is because we have single winner systems in a lot of our places. For something like president, we don't want to change that. But for something like uh, congressional representatives, we only have one representative for this entire area in Utah. And that creates a problem because if we have 49% of the population who likes an entirely different viewpoint than the winner who wins 51%, you're just out of luck. Those 49% of people don't get represented. So to so accomplish, crazy. it's yeah, crazy because it's, it's, it's what we're dealing with on a national level with our presidents, right? Like yeah. it was damn near 50, 50, like it was yeah. right down the middle when it came to the vote. So everyone's feeling either over appreciated or under. Yeah. And it's just causing, in my opinion, it's causing more feud. Like I think it'd be better to win 70, 30 or 60, 40, but, but it was pretty much 50, 50, like yeah. it was 49, 50. Yeah. So 51. So, so proportional representation is kind of the end goal. And I think to accomplish this nationally, we have to get there. Uh, the policies that we're currently working on locally aren't going to make as big of a change as we need to accomplish this nationally. But the reason that we're working on these policies, which uh, approval voting, as I already mentioned, the other one is a campaign finance reform policy. And the idea of that is that we can have publicly funded elections rather than having big donors fund all of the candidates. But those two policies will produce a system that's a little bit more, or I should say it's less rigid, where these representatives will actually listen to us a bit more. And then hopefully we can pass something like proportional representation down the line. But proportional representation is such a huge change to what we have now. It's just not even tenable to try to approach. So we have to take it in the step-by-step process. So what's what's the biggest roadblock or bump that you're experiencing? Like, what are you projecting out, you know, trying to get this started and people to buy into it and it actually happened? Like, what is your biggest problem? Yeah, so there's two ways that we can accomplish this. The first way is going directly to the statewide legislature, and that would be, of course, the Utah legislature here talking to the Utah House and the Utah Senate. And we've been trying to do this for a couple of years now. Uh, Right now in Utah, there is a pilot project which allows cities to opt into alternative voting methods. Right now, there's only one alternative voting method called ranked choice voting, and this is where you can rank your candidates, and then it picks the winner by eliminating the worst performing candidate round by round. Yeah. So this is a little bit more complicated. I don't like this method because it actually doesn't pick the most representative candidate every time. Um, So what we're trying to do is lobby the legislature to just simply allow us to test approval voting across the state. And right now, there's three cities across the state who have already decided they want to give it a shot. Uh, Uh Provo, North Ogden, and uh, Huntsville have all said that they want to give it a shot. 
but the legislature isn't allowing them to. And so that's the biggest roadblock we're reaching is that the legislature just doesn't want to hear anything about election reform right now. A lot of this is because of the 2020 election where Trump is cl claiming that the election was stolen and election fraud. And being in a conservative state, there are a massive amount of groups who are going to show up to the legislature and protest anything that has to do with election reform. And so they're kind of scared to do anything, which I don't blame them. But at the same time, you're a public servant and you know you should probably be doing something that represents right. us, not just listening to a loud crowd. So, so if the legislature just, I mean, he, he, they have so much power that it's... How do you get past that? So luckily in Utah, we have what's called a direct ballot initiative path. So this allows us to gather like 100 plus thousand signatures across the state to try to pass a law. We saw this in 2018 when we passed medical marijuana here. We also had some Medicaid, um, like Medicaid expansions and stuff like that. So we have success with this in the state in the past. I think it's something like 90% of all initiatives that reach the ballot actually end up getting passed here in Utah. So the real obstacle would be getting the policy onto a ballot. But of course, the biggest obstacle with this is money. It's really, really expensive to get 140,000 signatures across the state. So that's something that is a potential for us on the horizon that we're looking into, but it takes a large investment to accomplish something like that. Jeez. So is that why you're going the nonprofit route or what? Yeah, so the reason that we chose to establish a nonprofit is because this allows us to do work leading up to a potential ballot measure. Um, if we wanted to do a ballot measure, we would actually have to form a different entity in the state. Um, being a nonprofit allows us to go and lobby the legislature to do voter awareness in the meantime, stuff like that, to see if those paths are going to work before we pursue something that's going to be, a, you know, not necessarily a long shot, but it's a lot of effort and, and a lot of money. So. So, like, what, like, timeline-wise, so if you were able to get this to happen, what's, like, what, realistically, you've been doing it for a minute now, you get an idea on how the system works, and you know you got a lot of uphill battle, what do yeah. you, what's your, what do you think, timeline-wise? So, this really depends on which method we take. If we take the route of the legislature, my expectation would be a couple more years, maybe even three more tries of trying to get this just to allow cities to try it. Certain cities. Certain right? cities, okay. yeah. Not even statewide. Like, that would be right. way further are, down the road. Are you aware, sorry to cut you off, are you yeah. aware of any other states or cities that are already doing it that, like, legislators have allowed it? Um, so no full states have done approval voting yet. There have been two states that have done ranked choice voting, and that's Alaska and Maine. Um, approval voting has been instituted in two cities across the country. That's Fargo, North Dakota, and St. Louis, Missouri. And then currently St. Louis is running a ballot measure where they're gathering signatures, or sorry, Seattle is gathering signatures right now. And they're trying to get that uh, to be their voting method of choice. Huh. This is interesting because, I don't know, you don't think about it a lot, right? No. And, but somebody has to do it. You're just used to, you're just used to, I got two choices. I guess I'll go pick one. Yeah. Like, that's what I've been used to for the last three elections in my lifetime. Do you feel like it's going to be harder to get, like, the older generations on board with all this because they've been used to the, the same way the, yeah. the whole time they've been alive, basically? Yeah, I think anybody is resistant to change, but especially when a system's been a certain way your entire life, you're probably going to think that's a really drastic change. Um, but it's cool, though. We, we see people that are interested in this effort across age groups, across all types of demographics. And I, I think it's because of what you guys were mentioning earlier, that people are really ready for a change right now. Well, yeah, yeah. I was going to say, you, I guess you could see the other side of that, too, where people are starting to see the corruption in it. And, and so yeah. maybe they're ready for the change. So, yeah, no, I think so, too. And I think it's I know I use this example all the time, but it's a subscription thing, dude. Like you get to just <laughs> pick who you want and, you know, like. I think there's I think there's a little bit of like okay so you look at 
I'll just give my example. Okay, so the last three elections I've been a part of, I felt like there's been rough stuff on both sides. I'll say that, right? I feel like there's been pasts of these presidents that I don't like, or there's been certain policies of each candidate that I don't like, or there's something with this. I've always been kind of down the middle. It's probably a weakness. I probably should pick sides, but I just feel like I'm, I don't agree with both sides. And so, so even if you don't agree and you have an issue with that, right, and you go to vote and you have to just pick which one, right, if that wasn't your, like, ideal candidate, but you, you had to pick one because you felt it was better than the other person, me, internally, that bothers me. I'm like, dude, I didn't, yeah, didn't yeah, want to yeah. do that. Well, like, I wanted to I vote think, for a certain person, but they yeah. dropped out five months ago, and I, there's nothing I can do, right? I think that's part of the reason why, why I wasn't interested in politics either, because it's just like I, like, I don't really care. Yeah. You know, it's like I don't, I don't like either one of them, so I'm yeah. just, I guess the not caring was the easier route to yeah. take. Yep. See, and that's how, like, because I've always, like I said, I've been down the middle on everything. So, like, when the, you get on the global warming side, and I'm like, dude, this freaks me out. Like, we should talk about this. But then you get on, like, they want to get, they want to, you know, go too much socialism. And I'm like, wait a second. Hey, no. And, like, I don't know about that. You know, and, like, so those things, like, with me personally will freak me out. And it's like, you have to pick which candidate you're willing to. I feel like you're almost, like, sometimes having to pick, like, what you're willing to sacrifice. Yeah. So Where it's, instead, like, there's a perfect candidate for most people. Like, when I look at the 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 left side coming up like i didn't love everything about andrew yang but i liked a lot of his stuff i liked his push on insurance how he was going to force insurance companies to stop ripping people off because i think that's the most corrupt system there is oh i worked in insurance you know, and then i look at the right <laughs> and like i know that i'm sure that trump's going to throw his hat back in but i think he's going to get challenged i think he's going to get challenged by a desantis or by a christy gnome or somebody else and those are candidates that aren't so in love with being in the media and want to you know i don't know I don't know if I'm even on the right path, and I hate getting on this conversation because I just feel like I'm going to get backlash. Right. But well, well so I feel I like on both sides, I find candidates that are like, I could settle for that candidate, or I like, I shouldn't say settle. I like that candidate much more than the front runner. Yeah, you know, I think it leads into a good question for Nate because there are so many different topics and issues at hand, especially now that it, it you know, as Braden says, you know, you got to sacrifice somewhere. But how, how do you, how do you get a candidate where people, I, I mean, I feel like there's always going to be something to knock on a candidate, right? Sure. So how does this fix that? Yeah, so candidates are never going to be perfect, but I think what we're aiming for is to have, so it kind of helps to understand what the role of parties are supposed to be in our society. A party is supposed to be an ideological bedrock, right? So it's supposed to represent a certain viewpoint that you have on maybe a, a various amount of policies or maybe it's only one policy and maybe you identify with a different party on another policy. But the problem is that now that we only have two parties, all of politics has become nationalized. So you either have to be 100% on one side or 100% yeah. on the other. And it doesn't, yeah. you can't. And fall I feel in that. That's why I like a, you can feel, you can hear it when in my voice when I'm talking. I'm like, I feel like <laughs> yeah. if I'm not on one side, I'm going to get killed by the other right. side. But yeah. like, I, I'm not. I'm down the middle on a lot of policies. A lot of policies, I'm like, that doesn't make sense and that doesn't make sense. But this does if we combined it or if we did this instead, you know, and so. Yeah. And so that's what anyways. we're after is if we had a system that allowed for multiple parties to excel, then we would actually have those positions that would merge other positions together or maybe completely introduce a new idea to society that is only circling around conversations like this rather than reaching the highest skills because we just don't have a path for that right now. So if we had multiple parties, there's always going to be something to complain about with each party. But most people are going to find a political home way easier where maybe that party represents 80% of your views rather than a party that represents 50 each or 30% each. Yeah. Fair enough. 
I, I feel like I always hit a point in our podcast where I'm just thinking. I know, same here. And same I just, here. like, want to yeah. sit and digest it and think. Well, I feel like on this one, you kind of have to. It's a pretty <laughs> well, touchy yeah. subject in yeah. our world. It yeah. shouldn't be. We should be able to freely talk about it and voice opinions. But like I said, sometimes you say something and people go crazy on it. So you've been pushing it for a few years, Nate. Sounds like you're recruiting because I, I learned of you through my brother. Yeah. So what's, what's that look like? When you're bringing people on the team, what, what type of positions are you bringing people into? Yeah. And how are, they, how are they joining your team to help? That's a great question. So right now we're trying to aggressively grow with volunteers across the state. What we're trying to do is establish community organizer roles. So if we have one person who's kind of in charge of all of the volunteers in their area, that makes it way easier for them to go to a Salt Lake coffee shop and meet once a month, or somebody down in Moab can go in and meet someone who's organizing for this effort. Right now, the issue that we're having is that we're doing online meetings, and so everybody from the entire state is kind of having to come into our one online meeting, and you know, it creates a somewhat of a community, but because we're such a large state, it's hard to get people involved in local issues and going out and getting voters registered and stuff like that. So if we can build out with community organizers across the state, that's really what we're looking for right now. Nice. I like it. I like it. Um, what is it my brother's doing for you right now? I, so, I just read it the other day, so but I don't have it memorized. So Braxton is, 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 is volunteering for you. Yeah, working yeah. Well, for him. So yeah. actually, we just but hired got, him for I was say, you hired him, I thought, right? Yeah. yeah so yeah, so he's going to be our uh, community engagement or, uh, coordinator. So what he's responsible for is finding large groups in the community who are interested in these kind of topics and bringing them into the conversation, bringing them into volunteer, or also just going to meet them where they are and explaining and educating them on the issues. So that's going to be his responsibility. Um, I've known for as long as I've known Braxton that he's really good at talking to people and, yeah. and you know making connections in communities and that's something he's interested in so yeah, yeah dude, it's excited. so weird being his brother too because he's such a freaking stud when he talks to folks but like I don't see it as often <laughs> well, like when yeah. we like when it's just me and, me and him you know what I mean like we talk and we have conversations but like I, I hear all the stories about him and I hear how he's doing at his job and everyone's like dude he's a freaking pro so yeah. he's a stud man I love it yeah it's an awesome job Brax. Yeah, on, good man. job Rex um that's way awesome so okay so then how are you going about getting this information out to the people? So, like you just said, like Braxton's going to be out doing that. Like, what does that look like? Door knocking? Does it look like? Is it? So, or is it door like knocking sending? is something that we have planned in the future. We okay. don't. So, door knocking is kind of a hard thing because you either just go and pick a neighborhood and you knock doors, or you can try to get voter information. Um, a lot of voter information is public, so you can see what party people have registered with and where they live. And when you have that ability, it makes it a lot easier to see, you know, is this person an active voter? And if they are, they're going to be way more worth going to the door and knocking on and having that conversation with. It's kind of unfortunate it has to be that way. I would love to bring everybody into this issue, but because it's so costly and, and part of that is a barrier that the legislature has purposely put in place to make this such a costly effort, we have to target. So that's something we have planned in the future. Currently what we're doing though is we're planning on putting a billboard soon. Um, we're going to be going out to college campuses, to farmers markets, to festivals, setting up tables and just talking to people. Um, so that kind of stuff's going to be really beneficial, posting flyers, handing out pamphlets, stuff like that. Have you guys thought about targeting through Facebook? Yeah, absolutely. Social okay. media is going to be a huge thing. I was just thinking podcast, man. Like, or that, if you could yeah. get some legislator representatives to come yeah. in and talk with you and tell yeah. you why or why not they agree with your plan, even if they told you they don't like it, just getting that vocally out there to say, okay, well, this person doesn't and this person does. It's yeah. always, you know, and they, I mean, politicians always love to sound of their own voice, right? They, yeah. need, they need to get the <laughs> word out there. So, absolutely. Yeah. So many questions. So, I, I guess my first one was are you able to see people that 
didn't vote, and I guess my first initial thought was, why not go after them? Because maybe they didn't vote for either side because they didn't like it. So there's two things. One of them is that it's just hard to find people who didn't vote because there's just no record of them. So you're, you're oh. still kind of risking that randomness when you knock gotcha. on the door. Um, but no, that's a, it's a great point because uh, one of the voter registration drives I did, I went out to a public location at like a public transit area yeah. and spoke to like as many people as I could just about registering to vote about these policies. And I found a ton of people there who had never voted in their lives. And I was actually able to talk to them about or would you be willing to register to vote if you could vote on something that would actually make a change? And most people are ready for that. So if you can have that conversation, it's extremely beneficial. Yeah, I'm just trying to figure out how you reach those people, I guess. It's crazy, it's crazy to me like, that, they're, that they're there, that they don't vote, they don't include, they don't involve themselves. Like, it's weird to me that that's a, that's a thing. Like, I feel like on, I feel like on a national level, there should be a lot more encouragement. Like, we should close on voting day and go vote. You know what I mean? Like, don't work, go yeah. get your vote in. No matter who your party yeah, or yeah, whatever, seriously. I'm not saying pick. I'm just saying like, there's all these yeah. holidays that we get off work. We get anyways. off to work, but it's like, dude, give them the voting day off, or do a two day vote and give them two day the voting think, off and, and let them go and do it. I think that would be the greatest idea because then it becomes like a party as well. It's yeah. like, yeah. hey, let's go. I vote, got the day off, and then we'll have a barbecue at my house and make some kind of requirement. Oh, I mean, I don't know. I'd, you're going down the uh, the uh, long road by saying like make a requirement that shows you voted, but. You know, maybe maybe that's not. I, I mean, you have, you require a doctor's re- appointment when someone goes, right? I don't right? think you so, should require anyone to vote. I yeah, think I it don't, should still be. I think you should just have the a much more of a capability to vote. Yeah, like, I think. Yeah, yeah. I think you should be off work, no work that day. It's a national holiday. Everybody goes and votes. Free Uber rides. <laughs> yeah, free Uber rides to and from. Like, yeah. like really, dude. I feel like that. that there's not enough awesome. of the nation involved in it, man. It's one of our most important things as a nation, and so. Yeah, there's yeah. actually a decent movement behind making Election Day a holiday right now. So I think there should. How do we and then get I think they, that? That's what I want. <laughs> and they should, yeah, because dude, I'd go vote first thing in the morning and barbecue the rest of the day. Yeah, dude. you know what I mean. Use <laughs> that day. Make voting day on a Monday so it turns into a long weekend. It's great, right? There you go. Yeah, like almost like Christmas break. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. It should be. No, that you know? dude, and I feel I feel like with all the technology there is in the world, and I, I just feel like why can't I vote from my phone? Like why? I don't understand that. It's coming. I'm it's sure coming. it's got. I, I, there's, I just don't see any other way of it not coming to us, right? At some yeah. point, to just be able to log in, you know, facial recognition, f- fing, uh, fingerprint, and be like, vote, 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 vote. Well, yeah, done. with like NFTs and everything with the blockchain, it's like even yeah, because you can prove where that vote comes from, right? Yeah, just like in crypto, it's, it's going it, to yeah. be like that too, right? It's going to be so secure, you can just see everything. And that's kind of a fear with realtors is like, you know, are we going to get pushed out because of technology and probably eventually. Yeah, because you guys are filling it with homie, right? Like homies, yeah. I mean, they're they're not, they're just doing it because they take away fees. I like they're doing I, really well, right? I still feel like there is a personal experience. It's like your business, yeah. right? Social acts. It's, it's an experience. It's oh, always yeah. what Steve Jobs talks about, even opening up his packages. You want to have an experience when you open an Apple product. Yeah. Before you were a realtor, I, look, I went to Homie, dude, and it was, I didn't enjoy it. It was no, like, okay, no. hey, all these, take the pictures. Oh, they sent a photographer. But it was, come get a photographer, and then everything coordinated with you. You had to set your own viewings. You had to set, have everybody come over on your own time. You had to call your realtor to get the paperwork to get done. Like, it just, well, I don't Well, and know. I think that's why your business has exploded, because we went through COVID, and we've all missed interaction with people. So I don't ever think the human interaction aspect no. will completely go away. It might just turn into Oculus goggles. Like, can you throw your goggles on real quick so I can talk to you? But still, I, I still think with Oculus, you're going to, you still want to be, it's oh, like I know, us, I know. us recording the podcast. Like, we, I've done Zoom podcasts, and they're just not the same. Yeah. 
So I think there will always be a human element that will uh, supersede technology. Yeah, I kind of agree with you. Hopefully. (laughs) Or else we'll all become like iRobot. No, I I think there's certain professions like being a teacher, for instance, being a psychotherapist, even a police officer. Those kind of roles are always going to require a human touch. We don't want a robot playing the role of a police officer, right? Right. Yeah, it, it, I, I think there are some jobs that are going to disappear because of the automation wave, but I, they're definitely going to be important things that we need to keep human-led. And then also, like, art. Art is always going to be available for right. humans, so I'm excited to see kind of what happens with that. And, yeah. Well, I think you learn easier or better in person because, like, my wife's a school teacher, and so a lot of a lot of students are struggling now because they had to do everything over Zoom and their grades went down, and... And even when I was in college, like, I would much rather prefer to go into a classroom with the professor than watch it over Zoom, yeah. just because I think I, I'm there, I'm in the moment, and it's so easy yeah. to get distracted on Zoom and your computer, and then your phone goes off, and then your kids are in the background, or your wife needs something, so... Yep. Yeah, we're going. We're, we're really going off here. So, right? <laughs> well, I was gonna, I'm gonna, I'll bring it back in. But So, Nate, you've got... It says, I'm going to read, just read this off the website, 36.1% of the vote. So Governor Spencer Cox won his primary with 36.1% of the vote. Candidates and voters deserve to know exactly how much winners are liked. See how we could have won with 60% Wait, of the vote. say that louder because I didn't hear you say that. See how he could have won with 60% of the vote. So what, what are you, yeah, kind of dig into that quote right yeah. there that I just found off your site. So... The implication is that with approval voting, if you can vote for multiple candidates, can, or, uh, voters are going to choose all of the candidates they like. So the Utah gubernatorial primary is an ex- excellent example because Spencer Cox, again, won with 36.1% of the vote, and the second-place candidate got 35% of the vote. That means that both of those candidates were pretty liked, and it's very likely that the majority of the people who voted for each of those candidates likely would have given an approval to both of those candidates. Okay. So what we would have seen is Spencer Cox win most likely. He is very liked across the state. So we would have probably seen him win with something like 60% of the vote. I want to say that's roughly around where his approval rating is right now. And why this is significant is because not only can candidates win with the confidence that they know the voters actually like them, they can also look at other candidates who performed well and understand why their policies performed well, adopt that to themselves. And then it also gives voters confidence in the system because they just saw somebody won that obviously was preferred by the majority of the population, not somebody who just got 35% of the vote. That does not make me very confident confident that that person truly represents me you know so you're okay so then okay if i if i get what you just said it sets up to show how liked they were right as well as the voting percentage so those are one in the same with approval voting right because but approval, they are okay yeah yeah okay. so so say that so if he would have if you would have on approval voting route you're saying he probably would have got 60 percent of the vote right and then people would have said oh, okay he got above 50 he got 60 percent it's a 60 40 split most of the state likes him yeah Okay, I see. So what that, you're that makes us feel better, and even that's what your system is. What you're saying that would have came out to. exactly. Oh, so, okay. so even okay. if it doesn't change who actually wins the election, and, and a lot of times it would, but even if it doesn't, that also just gives us the confidence to understand that that system actually worked for us, rather yeah. than somebody who won again with yeah. far less than the majority. Huh. I like that. Yeah. Uh, the th- the yeah the the th- what is it thirty five thirty six percent. Kind of blows my mind. Yeah. Well, yeah, when you hear it that way, it just sounds like I'm like, did anyone like him? Why did he win then? I don't get that. 36%. Yeah. But then if you hear it in the way that Nate's saying it, that makes total sense to me. Yeah. 
if you can show it in his in his format or it would have been a 60 percent right yeah. and and the problem the reason that this happens is because you can only choose one person and so there were three popular candidates in that race but everyone you know they had to choose one yeah and so we got this very less than ideal outcome yeah and i think I mean, I had a lot of people that were like, I'm going to write this person in or write this person in. I think I had a lot of people tell me Huntsman. They were going to write Huntsman in because he was the runner-up to Cox, mm-hmm. right, for the for the right. And everyone was saying that. They're like, I'm frustrated that I can't vote for him. And that's what I was hearing a lot of. So yeah. with your system, it would allow the option to just vote for who you pick. Yeah. And no matter so- which side, no matter which politics, no matter what bullshit, you get to look at it and go, there's 10 on each side, and I get to pick one out of 10 and go from there. Right. Yeah. So another interesting thing to consider is the primary system. So in Utah, you can only participate in one primary. And I think that's right. Everywhere in the country does it that way. We have it a little bit different in Utah because with a Republican primary, if you're registered Republican, that's the only way you can participate in it. I think that doesn't really make much sense, especially given that most of our politicians here are Republicans. Um, But yeah, I, I think that it would just, yeah, work a lot better if you could just choose as many candidates as you like and then you really have that accurate reflection of support. And yeah, that, and I'm not, that's what and I'm not against limiting it, too. Like, I understand, like we talked about earlier, like, more than 10, I don't have time for that. Like, I'm not going to yeah. go into the background <laughs> of more than 10. I'm not, that's a hard thing to ask, 10 folks. But, like, the Democratic Party did it in the last election. There were 16 of them, right? Yeah. They were all debating on stage. I think eight of them ended up debating on stage or yeah. something. It's like, that's a lot. But I think kind of what you just said there, too, I don't like the fact that you have to register with Party A or Party B to vote i feel like you should just be a registered voter yeah and then listen to candidates from both sides and pick who you like and be able to confidently vote i like this person or this person yep and not have to jump through so many hoops like that it's yeah. like why they make, it, they make it so complicated so that they so that folks can, it's basically it makes it harder right yeah. like and i don't care what side you talk about both left and right they make bullshit comp, complicated so that it's hard to vote for yeah. the opposite side yeah. right and i think it should just be like you're registered here's your candidates We've got a few options on each side. All right. Pick your poison. They're still a politician at the end of the day, and I can't trust everything they're going to do, but <laughs> yeah. hopefully they do a decent job. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So I guess my, my next thought is, you know, someone listening to this, someone that may know more than us, what can they do? How can they help you? Like, what, what is someone that doesn't know a thing? How can they help you most? Yeah, well, I encourage people to sign up to volunteer, of course. We have a great learning resource. So when you sign up, the one of the first things you get sent is an opportunity to understand more about the reason that we're doing this and the policies that we're advocating for. So people can always sign up to volunteer on utahproves.org. Um, but additionally, if, if you just want to learn more about this kind of stuff, I would encourage you just to look into alternative voting methods in general and understand why they're going to be so helpful in what we're trying to accomplish. Um, the other thing I would encourage people to understand is corruption and, and why that's such a problem in our country right now. Um, I kind of alluded to this earlier, but the reason that corruption is such an issue in the electoral system specifically is because by the time you get to the voting booth and you have those two choices, or even if we say pass approval voting and maybe you had four choices now, without passing campaign finance reform and fixing corruption, those candidates would all have been bought and paid for already by the biggest interests and special interests in our country. So to fix this, 
so, so what I'm advocating for is called uh, democracy dollars. This was a policy that was on Andrew Yang's platform, um, but we're trying to localize it and, and make it a little bit more um, tailored to Utah specifically. What it does is it gives each ind individual voter a certain amount of money that they can donate to a candidate. You can only use it for donating to candidates, and it's use it or lose it each election cycle. And what this would do is it would effectively outweigh corporate lobbying money. Even if we had 15 or $20 per person, if we all participated in that, even if only half of us participated in that, we would outweigh all of the money that corporate lobbyists and special interests spend on elections. And that makes them more, uh, they, they are beholden to us rather than being beholden to the people who donated to them. So you're saying each can if if I'm understanding this, you might have to dumb it down for me. Each candidate would have the same amount of spending power? No. So they would still have to appeal to the general population. So each person, each individual voter would get like a piece of paper in the mail or maybe we could do it on an, on an app where it'd say like you have 20 or, or $25 that you can give to any candidate oh, in the race. Oh, I get okay. you. Okay. 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 So you're, you're almost voting before to market who you want to exactly. win. Exactly. And that's already what happens, but the only people who participate in that part of our elections right now are special interests and large corporations. That's pretty genius. Yeah. Yeah. I do have one bone to pick with it, though. Do you think that by switching to this system, do you see us moving away from electoral vote option entirely? Or you're just saying giving more power to folks when it comes to that point? Just at that point. So what it does is it increases smaller candidates and smaller parties' ability to get name recognition, to buy advertisements, yeah. to, okay. to print literature, to hire more canvassers to go knock doors. Because, yeah. okay. like, you look at Trump, I mean, he, what, he's wealthy, right? And right. So, no, I just was I was just going off of this little bit that he said about electoral college vote, and I don't, yeah, and me yeah. personally, I don't think you can get, I, I think you get rid of that and it causes issues because then it, then it gives the power to where the population is. I don't even know. Actually, I don't even know if that's the right way to say it. It just makes me worried because you think about, like, if someone lives in another state and has entirely different beliefs than you, but they yeah. got, you know, 40 million people in that state and they all want to yeah. vote the other way, mm -hmm. then it kind of does lose some power for the folks that have less people in their state, right? Like, Utah only has 4 million people, so we don't have a whole lot when it comes to that. But you got people, like, in L.A. or New York or Florida that all have 20 to 40 million, you know, Texas. They've all got, you know, 20 million plus. California in L.A. alone has 20 million plus, so... I just think that you can, you could see that population say, well, here's how we're voting, and we've got a ton more than you, right? And so, but I think that that fear also does go away a little bit with what you're doing because it's still, it opens up those large populations to not have to pick one or the other. Exactly. So I think that does eliminate some of that fear for, for folks that are, like, worried that they're going to be stuck in a system that they don't like due to the population of where they live. Right where now yeah. it could be a mix of systems, and I feel like if you're if you were successful and you get it all the way to the top, I feel like that would create a better a better state of living for everybody. Because like yeah. I, I I can agree with more with this party or this new party or the you know the third or fourth or fifth party, and I know other countries do that right. They got like mm -hmm. five or six now, right? And so yeah. you just are able to pick with one that you're like you said more eighty percent aligned with than just forty to fifty. Yeah, right. Do you think they'll ever get rid of the electoral vote? So I talk about it every election. Bro. Yeah, th this every is a year, huge time. conversation. I think you mentioned the value of the electoral college, which is the minority majority dynamic. It still yeah. allows for minority populations to have a voice and to have some kind of control over how laws evolve. So I think the electoral college is super essential. I think it's probably misbalanced right now. It's actually giving kind of more of a favorability to the rural areas as opposed to urban. But we have to maintain that dynamic. And I yeah. think what you mentioned about the democracy dollars being a concern with maybe liberal populations getting more money, 
is very well put. I think part, there's a couple things that would alleviate that concern. One of them is that the rural and urban populations are roughly equal in America right now. That's why we see you know, the elections usually split along 50-50 lines. So yeah. um, that would probably alleviate that. But to get this nationally, I think, again, we would also have to achieve that proportional representation I was talking about earlier. And the entire goal of proportional representation is to maintain that majority-minority balance. Yeah. So no matter you know, how small a po- of the population prefers one policy, they're going to have that equal amount of percentage represented in the legislature. So if we have that, then that minority-majority dynamic is taken care of. Well, that's and good. We all can just voice our oh, opinion. Yeah, that's good. I like that. And I feel like you're. And I feel like with the, everything that you've said today, everyone will be, basically be able to voice their opinion more. Yeah. And directly yeah, where yeah. they want to voice it towards, which is good. So. My mind's reeling. I know, dude. <laughs> I can know. you tell? I told so, you. I, call, I So I called Nate a couple weeks ago, and I'm like, dude, we don't talk politics on the show, bro, so this is going to be yeah, crazy. This is, like, this, this is, is a first for us. Yeah, so. one of a kind, for sure. Yeah. So I, we're kind of running out of time because we've got other things to do. We could probably do another podcast, which we always say with... I got, with, a, I got a question. Yeah, yeah, go for where it. Where does this... Nate, where does this lead for you? Is there, I mean, you're living in the politic world. Yeah. Does this lead to a position that you're going to want to go after at some point in your life? Do you think about it? Do you have a, uh, you're like, I want to be governor of Utah one day, or I want to be president of the United States. Like, yeah. being in politics all day, every day, in my opinion, would probably cause me to be hungry for something like that, you it's know, or question. even just being a senator or yeah. congressperson or something. So I have to admit, it's hard not to think about. Yeah. Um, but I try to keep my ambitions away from that because I think if, if I'm going to be working on a space which is aiming to really represent people, then I can't allow my like own interest to yeah. take over in that kind of space. Um, you know, I'm partially motivated to run for office maybe someday in the future just so I can hopefully represent people better. But I'm super wary of that because a lot of people who are taking office right now started with that same intention and thought they had great ideas. But by the time they get there, they get corrupted. They're around all of these other people who have these viewpoints that, you know, are corrupt. And they start to think that's normal because that's the people you're around. So I don't know. I I don't want to have to experience that. I think think the competitiveness and the like the just wanting to win might might fog it might like fog the, what you're doing, right? Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. But at the same time, I, if, like I said, if I was in it all day, it'd be hard not to be like, all right, you know what? I'll fix this myself. I'm going to run. <laughs> yeah. Like, I'm done with this shit. <laughs> exactly. No one's listening to me. I'm going for this or something. That's how I would be, you know? Yeah. Well, and I and look at it. Part of our goal is to create a system where, where people can actually run for office and not have corrupt incentives. So if yeah. we can actually fix that, then maybe I'd be more open to running for office because it would be way harder to actually be corrupt in that kind of system. But as of right now, I have very little hope that anybody who runs for office will actually make substantial change and that's why i'm more interested in reforming this system before running for office i think the first goal there is is a freaking age gap or an age uh, not an age gap an age limit like both our candidates in the last election were like 75 <laughs> come on put us down or, to like 65 like is our minimum like all of our <laughs> to see if you're how many congress folks do we have that are just yeah, crazy old like i'm not trying to sound like i just think that like you're, it's at what age why you would, form, and why would you want to do that at that age man i think they should just be able to form a sentence i don't think that sentence. and i'm not trying to like i'm not trying to badmouth them saying they can't talk i just think that you're so far away from the generation that's coming up like yeah you yeah. don't that's what i mean like it's not yeah. an ageism thing it's dude you're 75 and the people yeah the, the 25 year olds so that much. are like the 18 year olds that are born into technology this is all they know right i just think they're separated too far from it in my opinion i'm willing to bet that all of these like elderly candidates wouldn't win races if we had a truly representative system yeah i'm willing to bet that 
I yeah, I, I totally agree, too. They're, they're winning because they're preferred by the people who have been in charge for decades yep. and the people who control the media who are all friends with them. So. Yeah. yeah. And I think you're seeing people that are more able to work together, compromise on certain issues on both parties from younger-ish generations that are coming in where I feel like some of the older ones are stuck in their ways. But like I said, I'm probably going to get in trouble for saying that, but I just feel like at some point, I mean, and when you're 75, why would you? Why Don't would you want trouble. it? This is our why podcast. Why would you want you it, You can man? say what you want. I know. I'm just saying, at 75, I better be on a beach, bro. I ain't <laughs> running for office. I was thinking that the other yeah. day. I was like, if I was Joe Biden, why yeah, would yeah. you be spending He's your last years man. alive? Yeah. He's like, 78 and, yeah. and Trump's 74. The most 74? job on the planet. Yeah, yeah. seriously, dude. Yeah. <laughs> yeah it's crazy. Yeah. Well, Anyways. we appreciate you coming on. Yeah, um, thanks for having me. More than anything, this is so I can put all your information in the description so people can click on links. But where's the best place to get in touch with you if you want to share a phone number or, or sure. website, Instagram, Facebook? Just spout it out. Yeah, so we've tried to make this as easy as possible. You can go to utahapproves.org to sign up to volunteer. Um, then all of our social handles, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, are at Utah Approves. So really easy to find. You can get in contact with me directly on our website, so don't worry about a phone number or anything like that. Yeah. All, cool. the, all the links will be down in the description, so you can just go down and click them. Is there anything get- we missed, Nate, that you wanted to leave us with? That was it. That was a great conversation. Thanks for so having too. me. Yeah. yeah, it's always I don't know. It's kind of touchy with politics, especially nowadays. But yeah, I think we, I think we didn't go left or right. I mean, and this yeah. is more of a conversation of down the middle and changing. Yeah. yeah. How can we is. represent everybody? Right? Yep. It's not about representing a certain part of the population. Yeah. Right on. Well, let us know Feel if you need anything. If, if if you get to a certain point and need, need to push something out and record another one of these, yeah. we we love doing this. Yeah, we love awesome. it. It's a good so, time. So okay. okay. Thanks, Nate. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Yes.